You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Awesome. So good to be able to share the message this morning. What a beautiful day, right? Everyone enjoying the sun? We've got to be grateful and thankful for, for things like the sun. After all the rain we've had, it's good to have some sun. Hey, this morning we complete our series, Our Little Big Life. We've been looking at the little things that make a big difference. And we're talking about the fact that these little things are a personal thing, but it's also when we apply it corporately, the power of that corporate prayer together, studying the Word of God together, community. And today we're talking about generosity. But I want to put a challenge out because uh, one of the conversations I've been having with a number of people, um, just within our staff team and uh, just conversations with, with many of you, is around that whole area of prayer. We've been, we've been hearing some testimonies of the power of prayer. What happens when we make a commitment to pray together? It's one thing for me to have my personal prayer with God. That's awesome. We all have to have that. But what about when we live our lives in a way that prayer becomes just normal and natural? I've got a mate I go for a run with on a Monday. Uh, I try and keep up with him. He's, he's younger and fitter than me. But at the end of every time we go for a run, we're exhausted, we're hot, we're sweaty, but we'll always pray for one another. What's coming up in your week? I want to pray for you. He wants to pray for me. That is so powerful. It's so important for me in my life. I want to put a challenge out for every single one of us. Can we? If we're brave enough, make a commitment when we come to church on a Sunday to find one person before we go and say, can I pray with you? Doesn't have to be anything scary. Doesn't have to be anything over the top or big religious words. It's just, hey, what's going on this week for you? Oh, I've got a tough interview coming up or I've got, I'm actually struggling with sickness in my body or I've got a friend who's really ill. Come on, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this person. God, we thank you for the meeting that they're going into this week. God, would you give them wisdom? Would you give them courage to say what needs to be said in Jesus' name? Amen. That's it. That's as simple as it can be. Imagine 300, 400 prayers taking place every single Sunday. And then coming back next week and going, hey, what happened? How'd you get on? The testimonies, the stories that are going to take place just by making that a regular part. I would probably pray for at least a dozen people every Sunday. Just walk out with somebody and, hey, can I pray for that? Can I encourage you in that? Let's make that a part of what we do. Let's go beyond that step further from, hey, how was your week? How's the footy? You know, how's work going? And go into that, hey, can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? Let's become a prayerful people. That we will, I believe we're going to start to see some testimonies take place as we step out in faith. Anyone brave enough to take that challenge on? Oh, really? Am I on my own in this? Come on, is anyone prepared to take on that challenge? All right, that's enough. I'll work with that number. Let me know how it gets on. <laughs> Come on. Hey, we're going to read from Acts chapter 2 this morning, continuing on these verses that have been encouraging us, inspiring us over the last few weeks. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, daily, those who were being saved. Let's pray as we 
conclude our Little Big Life series. Father, we thank you so much for your word that is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. We thank you that, Lord, we, we, when we're not sure what to do, we can come to your word and your word will guide us. Father, has been learning about the early church. God, would you speak to us? Lord, we want to have not that experience, but our own experience of a church where there is generosity flowing out of our hearts and around us. We thank you for your presence here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, when, I, when I did my study out of high school, I studied uh, sport and leisure, majoring on the leisure side of it. You know, study also included nine, nine holes of golf in the afternoons and, you know, good politics student, fantastic. Um, and I ended up working for Sport Northland. I was offered a job at Sport Northland as a sport development officer. I, I, I worked with coaches and uh, went into sports clubs and helped them with some of their, their, their management and management of teams and uh, uh, coaching. And uh, one of the things I got to do every now and then as a, as a 19-year-old was drive the boss's car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's cool, eh? As, as a 19-year-old, I mean, I had a, just to put it in comparison, I had a, a Mitsubishi Mirage 1987 model. So it was like a 1.3 that had a lot of power. And so, so that, was, that was like the car I was driving. But the boss had a Ford Mondeo. And, you know, that was flash back then. It was like brand new Ford Mondeo. Every now and then, I got to drive the boss's Ford Mondeo. And that was awesome. And I'm like, ah, oh, if I could like achieve anything in life, it would be to own a Ford Mondeo. So that's, my aspirations weren't high, all right? I didn't set the bar really high, but that's what I wanted. I wanted to drive a Ford Mondeo. So yeah, it kind of happened and I drove it every now and then. And then uh, we, we ended up, we went into full-time church ministry. We went up to Kaitai and then moved down to Tauranga and, uh, and we bought ourselves a Nissan Sunny. It was a nice car and again, yeah, awesome. Wasn't even thinking about the Ford Mondeo. And uh, we were attending, Amy and I were, were looking to, uh, I, I guess, upsize our car. Family, Rosie had just arrived, and we were, were expecting uh, Josiah, I think. And so we were thinking, right, it would be nice to get a slightly bigger car. So we put money aside in savings in order to get this car. And we went to this conference, and we felt so moved by what was happening in that conference that we felt to, to give an offering that was kind of over and above our normal giving to God. And, you know, the scary part is when you turn to your spouse and they say the exact number you were thinking, and you go, oh, wow, this is real. You know, it wasn't just a thought or a feeling. God's obviously been speaking to you too. And it was the exact amount we had in savings for our car. So we, we sowed the exact amount that we had. So not money we didn't have, please note that. Didn't give something I didn't have, but money we did have. And we just said, okay, God, we trust you that you've spoken to us about this. A week later, somebody called us up and said, can I, can I come around and, and say hi? Now, we're going through a bit of a rough patch in our own personal life and church life, and normally that meant we're leaving the church, right? So, so it was kind of like, oh, no, here we go. They turn up and hand us a set of keys. For you guessed it, a Ford Mondeo. <laughs> now, it wasn't brand new. It wasn't brand new. It was maybe under six, seven, eight years old. But it was a huge step up on what we thought we were going to be driving. And I just thought the act of generosity that God put in our heart to give, God was also speaking to someone else saying, hey, Mike and Amy might need a car. They had no idea that my dream car was a Ford Mondeo. 
But how amazing that, that God would do that. I didn't drop any hands. I didn't, didn't put it in there. I didn't say, and so church, I'm just believing for it. Yeah. I, 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 didn't, I, didn't drop, you know, I didn't drop it as a seed. Nobody knew except me. And I talked to Amy. It would be so cool to own a Ford one day or one day. And there it was. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm not going to get into the Ford Holden conversation here this morning. We've got enough things to worry about, let alone the vision of car brands, all right? So... But this morning as we bring our series, Little Big Life, to a close, I want to talk about generosity. And I want to look at the early church and the, the heart of generosity that was in that group of people. Yeah, that group of people grew very quickly. We talked about the fact that in one day, 3,000 people were saved. Three people, 3,000 people saying, we're in. <laughs> we want to be a part of this community. And people are going, what even is this? You know, a, a group of people meeting in the upper room of a home all of a sudden have an instant community of 3,000 people. That's a lot of people problems. And yet it grew. It grew and grew. Every day people were being added to that number. The persecution they would have been experiencing from the Romans, even from the Jews that still didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And even through that persecution, they continued to grow as a group of people. And through all of this, the Bible says they were praising God. And through the pain, through the trials, we see it continues right into the fourth chapter of Acts, verses 32 to 35. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that they had any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, keeping Jesus essential in all that they were teaching. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. There's something powerful about the act of generosity when we, have what, when we give what we have to God and are then also moved to give as God asks us to, to be faithful with what we have, there is a power of generosity that transforms community. Most of us want to be generous, but are we living a life, are we making wise decisions that will allow us to be generous? I can't be generous with something I don't have. I can't say, hey, I'd love to give you some of Jaden's money because it, it, hasn't, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> I can't be generous with someone else's money, right? I've got to be generous with what I have. So I can't give what I don't also have. Robert Morris, he says in his book, The Blessed Life, that the blessed life walks on two legs, extreme stewardship and extreme generosity. Sometimes we want to be really generous, but we can't be generous if we don't have anything. So I have to be wise with my money. I have to not spend that something on something I want because I want to give to somebody else. So we have to go through that process of learning to be good stewards of God's wealth and resource that he's given us. From a practical point of view, how do we position ourselves to be generous? Over the last six months, I've had the opportunity to to work on a kid's book um, with a pastor in, in Auckland, some of you might know him, Paul De Jong, um, I'm writing a book uh, from his God, Money and Me series, talking about the principles of giving. I can't give away too many details because it's kind of under wraps in that sense. He's going to be releasing it and launching it, but I'll give you a quick sneak peek. That's it. That's all I can show you. 
for now. But what we've done is we've taken the principles that he's taught for, for many, many years on finances and giving, and, and we've, we've told a story for kids on the whole area of seeds, the seeds that God gives us, but also we need to release our first fruits, what we have, what God has already given us back to him. When we do that, we, we have the ability to, to be fruitful, and that fruitfulness ends up being generosity for others. So looking forward to releasing that at some stage uh, in June, hopefully. But I want to talk about the four principles that uh, Paul Young speaks about in his book, God, Money, and Me, and then talk about one really practical act of generosity um, that we're going to be able to do starting from next week. So looking forward to sharing that. Um, first thought is stewarding. Uh, and they all start with S, so they're nice and easy to remember. So stewarding. One of the first things we need to understand is that everything we have is God's. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. That covers everything. <laughs> that verse in itself just covers everything. It's all God's. And if I think it's mine, then I'm going to have that mentality to think that I'm going to be able to provide for myself. But if I recognize that all of it is God's, then I can be very confident to release to him what is his, trusting him that he will take care of everything that I need, that those around me might need. This is why we choose to acknowledge God in the way we use our resources. You know, tithing was something that was established even before the law. There was, a, there was an encounter that Abraham had with Melchizedek, and I want to read that this morning. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, bought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. It was an act of saying, I will bring my first to you, my first and my best to you. That principle was then brought into the law. Then when Jesus came, he reaffirmed it. He said, when you bring your tithe, he didn't say, don't bring your tithe. He says, when you do. And so we can understand and trust God that if we bring our first to him, whatever you would see the storehouse to be, it says, bring it in. For me, the storehouse is my, my local church. It's this place. It's where my kids are growing up. It's where, where I, I love the fact that every Friday night our kids come and are experiencing the power and the presence of God. They're growing in relationship and friendship. I love that our kids are being taught the gospel, taught the love about Jesus, that our kids get to grow as leaders. Bit of a proud dad moment this morning. Our, our girl Rosie is preaching in Power Zone for the first time this morning. You know, and this is two, two years of serving in the kids' ministry and having her opportunity now to bring the word of God to, to our kids. That's our heart, that generations will grow in the things of God. That's why I willingly and lovingly bring my first and my best into this place. The second area we see is seeding, planting seeds. What will we do with the seed we have? God has given us seed, that seed that could produce, could multiply, could grow into something far bigger. For my kids to have an inheritance, I've got to plant a seed here. I've got to do something now, today, for, for them. What about if I want to see something grow in somebody else's life? Come on, I'm going to sow a seed of generosity into their life. I'm going to sow into someone that I believe in. I love people when they come to me and they say, I'm doing this kind of random thing. I've never done it before. I'm doing a, a, a single or an LP. I'm, I'm, I'm recording my first song ever. I'm like, oh, I'll sow into that. I'll, I'll give something towards that because I want to sow into the dreams that people might carry in their hearts. Proverbs 13, 
22, it says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. You know, even this book that I'm writing with Paul DeYoung came out of me sowing a seed. Um, when, I, when I'd completed the first four books of our Little Leader series, I actually sent them to maybe three or four pastors in the nation who over the last 20 years, I've sat in their conferences, I've sat under their teaching, and just been so blessed by what they've taught me. And, and probably I wrote books in, in those conferences that I would dream and, and believe and hope. And so I sent these, these books and I just said, I just want to say thank you for blessing me with your ministry. I just want to give you a gift for your, your kids, for your grandkids. Um, just want to say thank you. So I sent that as a, as a gift to, to Paul. And then about six months later, we bumped into each other at another conference and uh, he said, oh, I want to do a book. Would you like to do a collab? I'm like, amazing. That would be incredible. So that seed actually opened a door for another opportunity. The third thing we, can, we need to do is we need to look at saving. So stewarding, seeding, and saving. How many people love saving money? We'll get to the one you really like soon, okay? <laughs> it also starts with S. All right. Savings, Proverbs 21.5, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. If we continue to spend everything that comes in, when it comes in, it's like payday comes, it's like, woohoo, look at all this money I get to spend. We're going to be in trouble. We put aside money, every pay that comes in, into a thing called savings. Now, in that savings place is the contingency for the broken down appliances. Our washing machine broke down over Christmas. It was so inconvenient. It was like, ah, what do we do with that? Fortunately, we had savings. And as much as I hated going into our savings, we were able to use those savings to buy the washing machine and not have to go into debt because that's what we would have had to have done. Now, it costs us a little bit to put that savings in every week, but then I'm in a position where we're going to now build that one back up again. So just praying that we don't have too many appliances break down all in the one, one week or month. <laughs> but those unexpected expenses don't have to catch us off guard if we're wise and putting our savings away. And saving for the generations to come, saving for your kids, for their, for their university or saving for a house, putting money aside. Just because it's in your bank account, it doesn't mean you want to spend it. You might need to save it. And we come to the fourth and the most fun part of all, spending. Spending is another part of what we have. And can I tell you, this is the part we seem to enjoy the most, but we probably exercise the least wisdom in this particular area. I like money. Anyone else like money? Anyone want more money? We'd all like a little bit more money. And money is good. Money can do incredible things. But the love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all kinds of evil. And so if our passion, our desire is for money, and that's all we're looking for so that we can get more stuff, then we've missed the heart of it. But also money buys food, pays power bills, puts petrol, very expensive petrol in our cars, right? And so we have to also be wise in what we spend because there's a whole lot of other things that we probably buy that we probably don't need. And it might be that we need to look at the things we're spending money on and we've had to do that just recently, right? We're going to adjust We're going to adjust our budget a little bit because things aren't looking like they were before. There's not as much money coming in as there was before. And so we've made some adjustments and we're surviving, believe it or not. Who would have thought? 
a few adjustments, a little bit of wisdom in a particular couple of areas, and we can be wise with our money. It's important, I want to say that if, if you're in this place where there's more money, sorry, there's more money going out than there is money coming in, can I encourage you to get help for that? Ricky and Marcel, would you mind standing up, giving us a wave? Don't want to embarrass you, but uh, I just need people to know who these guys are. Thank you. They run our CAP ministry, um, Christians Against Poverty. And they would love to have a conversation with you and then get you into the process of uh, being a part of the CAP program. We've seen many, many people come out of financial debt um, as they've made good, wise decisions with their money. And I would say to you too, I've talked about four different areas, but if you are in debt, if you've got credit cards that are overloaded and you've got um, loans that are out of control, deal with that first. Before you even give to God, can I encourage you, get out of debt. Do all you can do to get out of, God, out of debt. Make a commitment to God. God, I want to put you first, but we don't want you to put debt on top of debt. Our heart is that you would get free from debt and then begin a process of, God, I give you my first and my best. So if you're struggling in that area, there is no shame in that. You need to know there is no shame in that. The shame is when we hide it. The shame is when we don't tell somebody about it. Let's come to this place where we say, okay, I'm going to come clean. I'm going to just tell somebody that I'm not doing so well in that area. Guess what? There is help. There is hope for you. I want to encourage you. Find somebody. Go and talk to Ricky and Marcel. They're going to help you. They're going to get you in a, in a system, in a, in a way that you can find freedom that you thought you would never be able to have. So those are those four areas. Stewarding, seeding, saving, spending. Got to make that commitment. And part of that is so that we could find ourselves in a place of generosity. I want to read uh, from 2 Corinthians 9 as the team come, and I, I close with these thoughts. Remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. What God wants is that we would abound in every good work, that we would not be lacking in anything so that we could do the good works He set apart for us to do. That's His heart for us, so that we would, in all things, at all times, having all that we need, abound in every good work. That's God's heart for us as his followers. But it's a spirit of generosity that says, God, I want to give to you. I want to give to you. I want to love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of my resource, I want to love you with all of that as well. It's all tied. It's all connected. And when God is first in our lives, he also gets the first of our, of our income as well. We're so blessed in this place. When you look around this building, I want you to walk out into the foyer. I want you to walk through our incredible toilets, the best toilets in the world. <laughs> People come in and they're like, whoa, those toilets. <laughs> Do you know people, many people that are not with us today gave hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars so that we could do church. And, you know, it's very easy actually for us to walk in here every week and go, oh, yeah, here we are. Can we just walk in every now and then and go, God, oh, thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for the people that allowed us to worship without the rain on our heads. 
of power and sound, lights, kids' programs, and rooms where our kids can meet and connect with God. Let's always remain in that place of thankfulness for those that have gone before us and those that are here that have given into this place over the decades. We want to say thank you. We want to honor you. We want to honor your legacy and what you've given by continuing to give into this next generation. In fact, next week, I want to talk about two projects that we're going to do within this facility to make more room for our families. How many people are enjoying being back together as a family? How amazing is it? <laughs> but as you can see already, there's a couple of little pinch points. There's a few little areas that I think if we could just make a little bit of space for a couple of our kids' programs, we could make some room to get more people in so that we can continue to meet together. And I'll share that next week. But I, I want to talk about a, a real practical and a fun thing that we're going to be doing starting from next week. Uh, I think we would all agree it's never been harder to put food on the table than it is right now. The, the cost of the basics, the basic necessities is harder than ever before. And so next week, uh, in working with Plunkett over the years, uh, we've been building incredible relationships through our loaves and fishes meals. Over 700 meals were given last year, just in this last year, out to Plunkett families and the police, but also to our own families. But next week, we're launching Pataka, Elam Pataka. Now, some of you might have seen that around different places where you can kind of put food in and take it out. Our heart is to bless the, the whanau of Plunkett. And so next week, everybody's going to get a chance to take home a, a leaflet with 20 different items. We talked to, to, to the team at Plunkett and said, what do your whanau need more than anything else? And we've been given 20 items. So we don't want your 12-year-old lentils that are sitting in the back of your we don't want that, those, those bulging cans that you don't know what happens when you open them. That's not what we want. We want you to pick something of these 20 things. It goes from like a, a tin of baked beans, which you can get for maybe a dollar, right through to a, a big bottle of formula that maybe a mum might need and nappies and some sanitary needs for, for, for mums. So we're going to do that next week. You're going to be able to take a flyer home. Uh, as a family, every time we do a shop, we're now going to go, right, what's one thing off the item that we're going to bring in? Our kids are going to be able to bring it in, physically bring something into the storehouse, into the pataka, to be able to provide for those in our community. On a Monday, awesome, yeah. On a Monday, Plunkett are going to come in. They're going to collect everything that's on the shelf, and they're going to distribute it. So the cupboards go bare, and we fill them next week. The cupboards go bare, we fill them next week. We're not creating a supermarket, all right? It's coming in, it's going out. It's coming in, it's going out. And we're going to see dozens and dozens of families blessed just through a simple act of a can of baked beans or a tin of formula. So it's really exciting. What I also want to see moving forward is um, there are going to be days where we're going to, maybe a week in advance, going to say, this Sunday is our harvest table Sunday. And uh, we've got mandarins that are just about to come ripe. Come on. And we have so many mandarins on our tree, we will not be able to eat them all ourselves. So, so we're going to have Sundays where you can bring your produce, bring what you have, bring your extra. If you've got feijoas, bring them in. I like feijoas. If you've got silver beet, broccoli, cauliflower, if you've got extra on that Sunday, we're going to bring it in. We're going to set up a bunch of tables. Come in, bring a bag, take some away with you, distribute it if you need to your neighbors. And anything that's left over will also then go back out to Plunkett on the Monday. Come on, this is a time where I think we can take all the resources we have around us, the extra that we have, and let's get creative in the way we distribute that out into our community. 
God is a generous God. And I think this is going to be exciting. How many, how many people are excited about being a part of that? Awesome. If that is something that really excites you, and you're saying, I'd love to be a part of that, taking that to the next level, there will be some stuff, even some basic admins, some, you know, manning a table, being a part of that. If that's something that excites you, can you grab a Connect card right now, write your name, say, keen on Partaka or keen on that. Um, we would love to form a team that can uh, kind of help administer that. Uh, and I know there's people out there, maybe you haven't found a place to serve on our dream team yet. This could be the very thing that you want to be a part of. So give us your name. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, that's awesome. As we close today, I, I, I want to just encourage us all because generosity is something that begins in the heart of God. God is the epitome of generosity. If you've been around church or even in a sports stadium, you've probably seen the words John 3.16. It's a famous verse. Even if you haven't been in church before, it says, For God so loved the world that He, what? He gave. He gave. God gave His very best. He gave His one and only Son so that whoever would believe in Him, who would ever receive that gift of life, would have forgiveness for their sins. And we wouldn't perish, but we would have eternal life in Him, a gift of God through His Son, Jesus. Today, I want to offer that gift because God offers that gift to you today. He says to anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved, them and their household. If that's you today and you're saying, I need the love of God to forgive me of my sins. I recognize the sin of my life, doing things my own way. I recognize that. And I don't want to live that way anymore. There's a conviction in my heart saying, I want to live a new way. I need a new life, a life that's led by God, surrendered to His will and His way, giving up an old life and choosing a new, brand new life, a life filled with adventure, still lots of trials and challenges, but with God with you alongside you, God, Emmanuel, God with us. If that's you today, I would love to pray with you. Would you pray a prayer in response, saying, God, I give you my life. I surrender it all to you today, and I give you my everything. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you were willing to go to the cross for my sin. Heavenly Father, thank you that you were generous enough to give your son to die for me. Today, I give my life to you. I turn from my old way of living. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Please cleanse me. Make me new today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we would love to celebrate with you right now. And we'd just love to know who you are. I want to connect with you, give you a Bible after the service. One of the team will spot your hand. If that's you, you prayed that prayer, we want to celebrate right now with you. So on the count of three, why don't you raise your hand and say, yes, I prayed that prayer. We're going to give a great big shout of praise and get excited with you for that decision you've made this morning. Come on, one, two, three. Anybody here this morning saying, awesome, up the back, amazing. Come on. Yes, yes. Amazing. God bless you. Have an amazing Sunday. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.